Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours from on the road at the U.S.-Mexico border in Texas. Today, what are the facts on the ground when it comes to talk of a border crisis? I'm here to do the first-hand research. We are here driving around on assignment in South Texas. With me again, Daniel Steinberger, f- producer and photographer Brian Barr. We thought we would give you some information as to what we're encountering as we're researching and shooting stories for the upcoming season seven of Full Measure, gonna be here before you know it, just a couple weeks. But we wanted to come back to the border as we often do and just get the lay of the land. And what I like to say is we try to come without a lot of preconceived notions or at least open-minded enough to see what's really going on and let that tell the story. So we're not finished with this shoot that we're on. We're visiting different places and talking to different types of people. But I thought we would tell you about what happened yesterday morning because Border Patrol let us follow along with them. We wanted to, as we often do, see how busy it is on the border, how much illegal traffic is coming across. And you probably heard a few months ago after we had visited the Arizona border and kind of broke some news about the wall construction stopping and a really big uptick in illegal immigration and supposed drug trafficking well, there hasn't been a whole lot of coverage since then. Hasn't been as much. And we were hearing anecdotally that the illegal immigration situation or the number of interceptions is really high, maybe at a historic high. So we were trying to find that out. I thought we'd talk about our trip with Border Patrol yesterday morning. So we got up at about, I got up at 3.45 a.m. to meet them at 4.45. You know, their work is 24-7. And they let us hook up with them in a parking lot and then start taking calls. It was just a couple of minutes after we said hello and met everybody that we got the first call that we're going to talk about. So first, why don't you talk a little bit, Daniel, about setting and organizing this and where we went on that first call when they said there were some illegal immigrants close by. Well, we've been talking with uh, Border Patrol for a couple of months about um, going a lot, going out with them and seeing seeing what seeing what they're seeing what they're encountering and seeing what's happening along the border and um so we've we talked i've been talking with uh a sector leader who kind of handles media and um for this area and and uh we've gone back and forth about what we would see what we could do and so we ended up um as cheryl said we we uh we ended up going out with them early in the morning, and so our first thing is we went. We were we kind of zoomed along and followed a, a uh, patrol car, um, 
through these windy dirt roads. And, and as we got there and got out of the car, we saw, I think it was six or seven uh, immigrants that had come across the border. They were all handcuffed to each other. And the only light there was a little light coming off a, an ATV unit. And there were probably four or five agents there with two ATV units and two motorcycles. And they were, you know, along in these dirt little paths and with lots of, I guess, weeds and trees and bushes. And they're all just kind of sitting there on the floor. And that's the scene that we first encountered, you know, just after five o'clock in the morning. Um, and I think, you know, when we asked them about how typical a scene this was, and, uh, you know, this was fairly typical. Their, their teams were able to get into smaller areas and, and with their motorcycles. And they were, they had seen, I think they had seen them on some kind of either surveillance camera or they had a bunch of helicopters that were out, up and using heat, heat tracers. Um, and, um, and so that was, that was the scene that we first encountered. So one thing that's interesting to me is we've heard when we're in Arizona, they say that more drugs come across in Arizona, more people are sent across in Texas. And to reemphasize what we've said before, the cartels control virtually every crossing. So every person we see who's come across means thousands of dollars in the pocket of the drug cartels. They are really making money hand over fist right now. They're supposedly soliciting a lot of people to come across telling them narratives like this is a good time and you'll be allowed to stay if you come now, whether true or not. Um, the advocates for the illegal immigrants say it doesn't matter. They're just, the cartels are generating business for themselves and making a ton of money. But one thing that kind of surprised me, we're in Texas. We know there are a lot of what they call family units. So moms and children, family members coming across together. But I think the first two stops were all young well no there were a couple of women but mostly men and they look like fairly young men coming across without families so we finally did come across and you'll see this in the story we ultimately put on the air we did come across some families but initially it was a lot of single people that were not turning themselves in now there's plenty of that but there are still groups trying to avoid detection because for some reason either Maybe they have a criminal record or maybe they don't think they'll qualify the way the family units do to stay uh, while they're waiting for a court date. So they want to sneak past and not be caught. So that's kind of what we were with Border Patrol as they were chasing down yesterday morning. Um, we'll talk about one other stop. So after the one, the pre-dawn one that Daniel talked about where we saw those guys and maybe two women with them handcuffed, we ended up with Border Patrol as they chase down in some brush. They have a lot of technology we've learned on these trips that will show them either through cameras or heat sensors or ground motion sensors. They will tell them if somebody comes across, but finding them is quite another matter, and it relies on a lot more, I guess you'd call low-tech methods, like just tracking them through the brush. So I thought Brian could talk about that because poor Brian was having to run after these border patrol agents through this really tall brush as we went with them finding people they knew had crossed. You were there too. Yeah. Everybody was there. Whoa. Um, yeah, he said he said to us, do you guys want to get dirty? And I was yeah. just like, fine. I don't know what that means, but fine. And sure enough, we parked our cars and started walking through the brush and it was 
head high uh, uh, grass. I didn't know what kind of grass that was. Yeah, it was really tall, and the whole time I'm thinking snake, snake, ticks, <laughs> blah blah blah, um, and no ticks or snakes, thank God. But um, uh, I, I, I've been on a few of these when it felt like the person we were shadowing was maybe heightening the experience a little bit to you, you know I'm trying to say like show us what sh- they do show us what they do and you know be a little bit more gung ho than they normally were and I had that feeling but very quickly we found two people like what looked like a mother son sitting in the brush and then uh, uh, about 10 minutes later they found another six more and just lined them up on the bridge uh, you know uh, an older woman a couple of you know, probably mid twenties, uh, females and a bunch of guys. Yeah, and actually, actually that, what that, what, what could be perceived as a mother son. Um, I was talking to one of the border agents and he said it wasn't, he wasn't clear actually who they were. The young man, he was 19 was from the town of Reynosa, which is right over the border in Mexico. And so he, while he didn't know for sure, and they were going to fingerprint him and figure, try to figure it out, they actually thought maybe he was um, responsible for smuggling this woman over. Um, and, and perhaps he was a smug, um, somebody who has helped smuggle people over. So that could be, you know, it, it could be perceived as, you could see it as one thing, but he was telling me later that that, 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 that situation could be, actually be a little different. And you don't know. I mean, that's part of the problem. When people come across, even if they produce an ID, it doesn't mean that's who they really are. And that's one of the things that critics point to. Um, They will do typically a background check to see if any of these people have a criminal record here in the United States. Well, that's not going to show if they came from some of these uh, people are coming from places like Africa. I think they told us there were people from 50 different countries they've been picking up. Uh, this year in 2021. Back after a short break. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We are back along the U.S.-Mexico border in South Texas. I'm with photographer Brian Barr and producer Daniel Steinberger. Well, let me ask Brian before we go off of that, what was it like to, so you're looking through the eye of a camera, like we're all running through this brush and it's kind of hard to get through, but you have that added thing of you're, you're watching things through the camera. So I was just kind of wondering as I was watching you and they're following a trail. So literally tracking like a detective where the grass had been mashed down. You could tell that's where a few people had gone, but was that difficult to be holding the camera and doing that? Yeah, you sure. It's difficult. And I'm just the guy for the job. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, a lot of times you just go, it's called go wide and go. So just leave the camera as wide as possible the, so you see the most on the frame and you just follow. The camera I was using had some a little bit of image stabilization. So it kind of compensated for the, you know, the quote unquote running and gunning that we did. But also the camera has a, has a 
window on the side of it so I can look down briefly at the camera and make sure I'm kind of pointing it and it's doing everything I need it to do and then look up so I, my, my head's not buried in a viewfinder so but um, it was intense I mean it was intense that I didn't I wasn't sure what we were doing I'm glad I wore pants that day uh, you usually don't have pants on. Well, yes. Shorts. <laughs> shorts. But I'm glad I didn't wear shorts. How about that better? That's better. How about I didn't wear... And uh, I'm glad Cheryl didn't wear her famous flip-flops. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... It was uh, you know, I don't want to... They. It was, an, it was intense, but it, it didn't seem like they were heightening the intensity of the situation. It was... This is how they were reacting. And... Pretty soon, during the course of the day, what do you think we saw? 50 people being arrested or being detained anyway? I don't know if arrest is the right word, but being detained. Well, you're you're not going to want to miss this story when we put it together that we're still gathering information for. We're going to do a couple of them, but we're trying to get at the heart of how bad is it really compared to other trends. That's something we always try to get a picture of when we come to the border. It comes and goes in terms of how much traffic they see, depending on policies that are enacted. I've often said that to me the border is almost like a living thing because it's very responsive to the measures taken and who's in charge and who's allowing Border Patrol to use what kinds of techniques and tactics. And once again we saw a couple people commented that where the wall had been put in the last year and a half of Trump's presidency when that was allowed, um, it has made a difference. doesn't mean it keeps everybody out but they say it does either funnel them to a common place where it's easier to patrol and catch them or it slows them down more, but most people do seem to think it's made something of a difference. But I think we've gotten at the answer to the question of how bad is it? And we also really wanted to know more about the coronavirus question because when we came to Arizona in the, I don't know if it was January, February time period, The local communities were very worried. They heard that as this crush of illegal immigration came, that people were going to be released in the local communities without the feds testing them for coronavirus. I kind of didn't believe that when I first heard it, was able to confirm it. And um, the communities were worried. They don't have the capacity, they say, to take care of them, to test them, to feed them, clothe them, and so on. So part of the story that you'll see that we have gets at the heart of that question, the coronavirus question. And sadly, it remains true that there are so many coming across, and we do believe these now are record numbers, definitely in the last um, 20 years or so. And really, gosh, illegal immigration wasn't bad uh, for many decades. This is a relatively new phenomenon. So maybe this is the worst in history in terms of how many people are coming across. And because of COVID, I think one of the charities that does help test or try to at least get a grip on this situation with the local governments, I believe they said about 7% of people are testing positive for coronavirus. And if you're talking one facility alone handling a thousand people a day, that's what? 70 people out of every thousand. (laughs) It's a lot of people testing positive. And you'll see in our story that we're going to air, they've um, tried to come up with a process because they were putting the positive tested people, the local governments where we were in McAllen, in hotels, but not all the hotels want the positive families, the COVID positive families. 
And obviously you can't really control what they're doing once they've been released by Border Patrol. Maybe they want the help of these charities and will follow their instructions, but you can't, you know, can't really make them do that. But the one charity we went to that you'll see has developed its own process with the local government that's resulted in sort of a tent city being set up where the COVID positive illegal immigrants well, I asked Shirley, as the charity woman pointed out, they're not illegal anymore once they've been released by Border Patrol into the U.S. They've come illegally, but then they are processed and they don't have technically an illegal status if they've gone through that process. But they're kept, um, if they'll stay there, in an isolated area with other COVID-positive immigrants until, I guess, they get a clear COVID-19 test. Any reflections on that, Daniel? I mean, that was pretty, we didn't know that when we came, that there was this separate area that they had set up in the McAllen area. Um, yeah, I think the other thing, just obviously the humanity of it all, um, there was just, there's just so many people with so many different circumstances. Um, and, you know, a lot of sad stories we heard as well from people that are trying to get here. Um, so, you know, I think people pointed that out to us as well. I think there are a lot of financial questions. I know that local governments as well as federal taxpayers are wondering why if the federal government has decided not to secure the border, um, why the responsibility to test people for COVID and treat them and house them and take care of them and do all of that, why that has to fall on the costs anyway, the local governments and ultimately federal taxpayers as well. This is a, it's a huge cost. I think we quantified that a few years ago when I was at CBS News. It's a lot more than I thought. And I guess one final thing that I thought was interesting, when we talked to some of the illegal immigrants before they were processed, they all knew where they were going. So they all had a place in the United States. They weren't staying in Texas. They were going to places like New York City or New York State, Ohio, and they had family members already here that had helped them come across or helped pay the cartels and were facilitating this. So it's almost like these are two, three, four people deep family members that are bringing other family members across and so on. And when I spoke to one of the ladies running a charity, she said that, I said, well, how many of them have a family member? Because the process is they bring them into this charitable, charitable non-governmental organization and they let them make a call to their family member here who then helps them get a bus ticket to transport them where else in the U.S. they're going to go. And I said, well, how many of them have a family member here helping that? And she said, pretty much everybody. She said, once in a while there's an exception to the rule, but they all have somebody here already. I thought that was interesting. Many thanks to Daniel and Brian. There will be a lot more on this topic on an upcoming edition of Full Measure. We're getting closer to starting our season seven in September. But in the meantime, we're still traveling, shooting, searching for new stories, original stories that are sure to bring you information that's underreported, unexpected, sometimes even censored elsewhere on important topics. More like news used to be when reporters more commonly aired different sides in a scientific debate or provided you information and let you make up your own mind, 
rather than acting as the minder telling you what you can believe, read, and think. The news as we once knew it no longer exists. It's become a product molded and shaped to suit the narrative. Facts that don't fit are omitted. Off-narrative people and views are controversialized or neatly deposited down the memory hole. My new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, is filled with important context regarding the death of the news as we once knew it. Pick up your copy of Slanted today. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. I hope you'll check out Full Measure every Sunday throughout the summer. We'll be back with a new and fresh season seven, our seventh year, beginning in September. I hope you'll check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson podcast. Subscribe to both of them. Leave a good review. Share them with your friends. Do your own research. Make up your own mind. Think for yourself.